Welcome to the Money Over 50 podcast, brought to you by Dallas Davison and Michael Hogue from Money Over 50 Financial Advisors. This information is general in nature and does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Therefore, you should consider whether the information is appropriate for you and your personal circumstances. If you require personal advice, please contact Money Over 50 Financial Advisors. Here are your hosts, Dallas Davison and Michael Hogue. Welcome to Money Over 50 with Dallas and Michael. Keeping on with our retirement planning risks today, and we're going to talk about sequencing risk, Dallas. Thanks, Michael. This is actually uh, probably my favourite risk to, to think about or to plan for. It's a bit of a weird thing to have a favourite in, but uh, I'm a big fan of, of sequencing risk as something to take into account that I don't think a lot of people do. It, it's again one of those risks that is kind of hidden to some degree. So. What we're talking about here is, I guess, sequencing risk to me, it's, it's a subset of, of market risk or volatility. So sequencing risk is the risk that the order and timing of your investment returns is unfavorable. So um, like this is one of those things, it sounds very technical and we'll have to give an example. So um, what people say, for example, is, you know, I had a million dollars in super and then it dropped to $700,000 in the GFC, and it's, yeah. it's now recovered back to a million dollars, but to keep working for a few years to, to let it recover. To yeah, look, I hear this, um, I've heard this many times throughout the last 20 years, and, and people say it in this fashion generally, they say, oh, what if when I retire there's another GFC, or yep. what if when I retire, yep. on the day that I retire, there's a big drop in the yep. market? So yep. what they're really referring to there is is sequencing risk. That's exactly right. In that, um, um, I'm going to say, I'm going to throw a spanner in the works here. I'm going to say it doesn't exist for a lot of cases. <laughs> <laughs> no. and, and what I and what I mean by that is, um, if you look at so so, um, people put a high watermark on the value of their superannuation yeah, a yeah. lot of the time. When it's yep. really, if you look at it, you would say that's not the true value. Yeah. Um, it's a hard one to explain. Yeah. Uh, it is the value. No. It's, it's the value at that point in time. However, yeah. what's happened to get their superannuation to that value yeah. is that for a the last three years, there's been 25% returns, yeah. 25, 4% return, 23% return you know, yeah. each year. Yes. So they've got you know, 25, 25, 25, or 22, yeah. 23, you know, yes. 20% returns over those three years. Now you'd look at that and you go, okay, well, generally speaking, um, we are in for some sort of drop. The prices are being pushed up. Yep. So, so you would, you would, in that case, you would actually, even though you might have, um, you know, a million dollars in your superannuation fund, you would say that it's probably, probably not really worth that much. It's, it's, it's yeah. No, I, I think that, um, yeah, it's interesting. When I say it's my favourite risk, I, I feel like. It is a risk. It, it, well, it, it does well, exist. I think the it big thing for me is that what I see is people tend to either that either I think what you the point you're making there is people either over cater for it and, yeah. and think that this is you know a GFC happening at the point of their retirement is the mm. worst thing and that there would be no way to recover from it or plan for it. So they either over cater for it, yeah. or they just don't take it into account at all. Yeah, so right. it's, there's a middle ground there of going. This is a risk that needs to be allowed for, mm. but it can very easily be planned for. It, it can be sort of catered for to some degree. So it's not a, um, it's it's to me an interesting one because it's it's more of an intellectual exercise where you're going, most people 
this is one of those risks that people sort of intuitively grasp that there's some danger there, but they don't really understand how it affects them. And so, you know, as that example of, um, you know, say the GFC, if if you if you retired on the day that the the market started dropping uh, in the GFC, it's sort of if in over over ten years, you know, markets have recovered back to where they were. If you've had to pull out too much money over that ten years, yeah. you haven't got to participate in that recovery. And this this is where sequencing risk to me ties a lot into a um, couple of things are you know, being realistic about where you, where you might be and mm. in terms of how much you can draw out in retirement, mm. and and then also. Um, yeah, I guess being able to adjust to that as you go along. So, yeah, you're right because because look in an extreme, and we don't usually see it this way, but in an extreme, if you were going to retire with um, you know a million dollars and yeah. take fifty thousand dollars a year yeah. out of that, yeah, and for that for that you know red hot minute, yeah, the price the the value has temporarily dropped from a million dollars to five hundred thousand dollars, yes. And you're taking fifty thousand dollars a year from you're that. You're taking it. You're actually eating. You're though. taking ten percent of your retirement savings. So you're eating into it. Yeah. And if that happens again the following year before it recovers, then yes, well, you know, and that, that's you're, exactly you're, right. You're eating into it um, yeah. quite a bit. So, how do you? What do you do with sequencing risks in terms of well, accounting a couple, for it? A couple of big ones are, um, I think, to me the um, a few different ways actually. One of the big ones is having diversification, which we touched on with, with business risk, is that yep. generally what you're invested in, in retirement planning, so in, in what we were talking now about when you are at retirement, the way that you want to invest your retirement savings is so that you, know, you might have, in simple terms for a lot of our clients, we have a small amount of money in cash or equivalents, we have some money in Australian companies and we have some money in international companies. And in each year, they have to pull some money out of their out of their out of their super income stream. Yeah. Now, in some years, the Australian markets might be down, and international markets might be up. Uh, in some years, they'll both be down. In some years, they'll both be up. And cash is kind of going to sit there as it is. So, by being more diversified across you know, a lot of different companies, but across a lot of different markets as well you're sort of not as exposed to just that one market. If the Australian mm. share market is, is down by a lot in that one year, but the international share market is up, mm. you can just take your retirement savings out of your international companies at that point in time. So that's one way to, to minimise the effect of that is being diversified. So having making sure that you're spread out across there. Now, what people tend to do there though, is that they think that diversification means that they should have 30% of their retirement savings in cash or in term deposits. Yeah. And that's that's the big risk that, that we sort of talk about with people over catering for it is they go, well, if there's another GFC, you know, I want to pull $50,000 out of my million dollars. If there's another GFC and it takes five years to recover, I want, you know, $300,000 sitting in cash so that then I can, you know, live on that for, for six years and I don't have to think about it. You go, they are then trading off that risk. They are they are getting rid of some of that sequencing risk, but what they are also then running into is is your your purchasing power risk or your longevity risk. That, yeah. that money isn't going to work hard enough for them to be able to get the returns they need. So yeah, you're right because um, and if that fits into your overall plan, because yeah. you've done a you've done a podcast on yeah. a client, a particular client yeah. of yours that that worked for. Yep. Yeah. Um, but those people. 
it was accounted for in their plan and, yes. and, and I think they wanted five years yes five, five years of worth of cash so they spent about $50,000 a year from yep. memory so they had about $250,000 in cash yep they were fully aware yep. and you were fully aware and you communicated that that was going to drag down the overall rate yep. of return on their yep. entire portfolio yes um, but, um, but, but it, had it fit into the plan anyway. it fit into the yep. plan so, so yep. they just wanted the peace of mind to know yes. that if yep. um, they were uh, if there was to be major volatility, yeah, uh, they had five years worth of their income, yep. needs in yep. cash, so they could just purely, yep. live out of their cash savings for five years and yes. then wait till everything recovered. That's right. Um, and, and uh, other people don't have that luxury. No, that's right. And, and this is you, this you, is exactly the in the podcast we just talked about. This is a, it is a luxury in retirement. It's you know yep. probably not the most exciting luxury good, but yeah. but it is it is something that. Again, to go back to that main theme here of you cannot get rid of this risk, you can only trade it off. So mm-hmm. for these guys, they were fortunate to be in a, in a really good position. They'd worked hard, saved a lot of money, and so they could afford to, to you know, basically squash a lot of this risk. They could have five years' worth of their living expenses in cash. For people that don't have as much of the time savings, they cannot, they cannot afford to get rid of this risk. They, they have to accept that there is going to be a risk of this because yeah. they just can't have enough money in cash to allow for five or six years worth of their living expenses mm. so um, for what the thing that i find with with that sequencing risk in retirement probably the 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 best the best way to minimize the effects of that for a lot of people is to have flexibility around how much income you draw out each year and it's sort of something that people don't normally link the two but i say this to people all the time that you know if you've got a million dollars in retirement savings and and you and you need fifty thousand dollars a year to live on, or, or otherwise you are going to be completely devastated. And the way that the way that you have to have that money invested, the way you have to treat that, you know, as that balance grows, you can't keep taking a huge amount more because you need to give yourself a bit of a buffer. You can really only take fifty thousand dollars a year. Now, if you said to me, yeah, "I've got a million dollars, we just want to spend as much as possible when possible," so. Mm. What you'd actually do there is you might say to those people, we're going to take 6% out of your balance every year. You're going to take $60,000 in this first year. <coughs> However, we're getting rid of sequencing risk by another way, which is that if yeah. that million dollars drops to $600,000, you guys have to live on thirty-six grand next year. And yeah. that's just that's the only way we're going to do it, is that one of the ways, probably the most interesting way to, to kind of get rid of sequencing risk is to have a lot of flexibility around how much you're spending every year and be willing to cut your expenses in those years where investment returns are down. Yeah, I, I like the percentage rule yeah. there because of the fact that, that it actually automatically accounts for volatility downwards. Yeah. So it will it will it will drop it to a percentage because what you don't want to have in that situation yeah. is yeah, you don't want to be taking the same dollar amount that you took the year before when things have dropped. Yeah. You're really, really eating into your yeah. uh, as a as a it's a, it's a higher, it's a much higher percentage that you're That's, drawing out. Well, in that example you, you've given before, of you've got a million dollars and you need fifty thousand dollars to live on. If your super balance drops to five hundred thousand dollars, even in that year, hmm. if you don't have any flexibility around, okay, I'll draw it. You know, for example, if you had a little bit of cash in your own name, or you could just cut your expenses by, you know, if you could just draw thirty thousand dollars out of your out of your super at that in that year that volatility hasn't hurt you as much because you are taking a similar percentage out of your, out of your mm. retirement savings. You know, you, you, that's a slightly more, but it's, it's a very similar thing. Whereas 
those people who have to take out that $50,000, as you said before, they're taking out 10% of their retirement savings. Mm. It's, it's gone, it's spent. As, as, that, uh, yeah, as markets recover, they don't get to participate fully in that recovery on the way back up. So mm. yeah, it's, it's a great way to allow for the volatility downwards is to say, okay, we are, we are going to spend this much money every year, but we are going to mentally and emotionally prepare ourselves that when the time comes, when the market drops, not if, mm. we are going to reduce our spending. And, and you've touched on this before that the reality is this is something that people do most of the time, even, even, even when you're working. You know, if, when consumer confidence is very low and everyone's sort of panicking about keeping a job next week, people aren't generally thinking of, hey, we want to go and buy a new car and go on a big trip and do that. People automatically tighten their belts a bit and they do. sort of get a bit, a bit careful in how they spend money. So it, as you said before, when you're retired, there's no reason that should be any different. If, if, you're, if everyone around you is being a bit careful about how they spend money and you're instinctively going to tighten your belt a little bit as well. So I think that's probably the most, um, the most interesting or the, 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 the best bang for your buck, I would say, way to minimise sequencing risk is to be willing to cut those expenses in those times. Now, when I say it's the most interesting, probably the more exciting part of it then is that in those years where you have you have high returns you're also cutting yourself a bit of slack there by saying well i can take more as my balance grows so yeah in that example if i'm taking six percent out and and it's and my retirement savings have grown grown from a million dollars to 1.2 i don't have i don't keep taking out sixty thousand. i then take out seventy two thousand. so and this is this is the sort of thing where as i say being flexible about how much income you take out every year actually allows you to take out a significant amount more over your over your retirement because you can you can sort of capture some of that gains without having to allow for when things get really bad yeah you can and you can um if you do work with a percentage-based rule look if you truly work with a percentage-based rule it's technically impossible to run out of money because yeah, even yeah. if you're taking if you're taking six yeah. percent or seven percent or eight percent, even which we wouldn't advocate, no. it's, too, it's too high. Yeah. Um, but but if if that was of a declining dollar balance, yes, um, yeah. you, you're still taking out. Yeah. it's but, squeezing down what yeah. you're taking this, in. This is one of those ones where it's like technically correct, but yeah, but, but emotionally, it's, it's if you took out if you took out fifty percent of your, if you had a million dollars, you spent five hundred grand in the first year, and then two hundred and fifty yeah. the year after, and then one hundred and twenty-five the year after. Yeah. It's probably no comfort to go. Well, technically, you haven't run out of money, but you're now living on five thousand dollars a year. No, but and I think I think with sequencing risk, um, what I'd say with this is, if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. And what I mean by that is, there were there were people that retired just before the global financial crisis. Yeah, most of the ones that got into trouble actually retired earlier. Yeah. so they had some yeah. sort of plan in place to say, okay, yeah. we needed to work for yeah. for ten years. What had happened in yeah. um, two thousand and four, five, six, and seven? Yeah, the the prices of uh, you know companies in Australia and around run the world up. were pushed up, run up to, to to much higher than where they needed to, or where they should have actually probably yeah. been. Yeah, what I saw. Um, some people do in that situation was they said, okay, we're only five years into a 10 year plan, yeah. but we, we're here in dollar value yes. where we wanted to be anyway, so they retired. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but in reality, it, it, the, the true value of the superannuation was lower than where the price had been pushed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Probably not a great 
analogy I've given there. No, but but but, but they actually but, but they changed think, their plans. Yeah, they retired earlier. But and then all of a sudden, but yeah, I think that this ties the into the price had dropped. The thing that intuitively most people uh, like there's a smell test factor here where you go, yeah. if an asset has, has doubled in value in three years, yeah. is that a fair value for it? Mm, you yeah. know, potentially not. And and that's not to say that. You know, we we never make market calls about you know there, there will be a time again where asset prices run up to some crazy level and yeah. and you know there's arguments in some markets around the world where, whether that has happened in in other share markets already. Yeah, but we're not saying that we know. Oh well, the next time a GFC happens, we'll know when asset prices are too high. It's just about you. No. You've got to think about that as as a part of that. Is that hey, if if things have doubled over the last three to four years that may be we might be a bit overheated here and it's not mm. to say don't retire but it's just again about that conversation of if if we have a 30 percent or a 40 percent drop in that first year of retirement what do we do and and that's kind of where it becomes a bit different of the if versus when thing is that we know that you are going to have a drop of 30 40 percent at some stage in your retirement but it it becomes much less dangerous if it's 10 years into retirement yeah it does and so that that's kind of what people tend to struggle to understand there is that is that you know people are really worried about a gfc type event in that first year of their retirement or in the year before they retire and and that makes sense because as i said if you have to draw out more of your retirement savings than probably what you should be you don't get to participate in that recovery but you are going to have a gfc type event in your retirement it, mm. it's just a matter of the sequencing of those returns is does it happen in the first year mm. does it happen in the 10th year and the 20th year and you can kind of see that people people intuitively understand that if if i retire at 65 and the gfc happens 20 years in the road gfc 2.0 happens 20 years in i'm 85 it, it's mm. probably fine like i've gotten through a lot of those years anyway even if I have to tighten my belt, I probably do then. But yeah, look, and you're right. And gen- but generally, genuinely speaking, as well, um, for that, you know, if you look back through history, any time that markets have dropped away significantly, yeah, they've they've grown significantly as well on, yep. the, on the way up. Yes, like they, so they've grown more than the projected rate of return. Yep. and they've got to a point and they've dropped away. Yeah. So if it does come ten years into retirement, yeah. you've actually captured the yeah. the, yeah, the overs. That's um, and this is it, it. It is truly yeah that that one thing that if it's you're retiring right now and this happens, yes. um, then you need to have some sort of it's a contingency plan. Yes, yeah. really. That, that's a great point that you, you touch on there. Is that 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 is also a hard thing for people to understand? Is that if I retire with a million dollars and I'm drawing fifty thousand dollars a year, and and I say there is no way I ever want to cut my expenses. I need $50,000 every year. If, if markets return 20% in that year, I've now got $1.2 million. It doesn't mean I get to take any more money no. because I have to let that buffer build up that's for, right. for the, the inevitable crash. Yeah. And so that's kind of where it's, it's, um, it's easy. You know, it's the same old story. If you, ask someone, if you ask someone in the early, when things are going good, would you rather have a percentage-based withdrawal or would you rather have a flat dollar mm-hmm. amount? And and things are going up and up. Well, of course, I want a percentage base because that's to go up every year. Yeah, but right. if that's the case, you've really got to be ready to dial back your spending. And if you take that flat amount, you can't have it both ways. You can't say, I need $50,000 a year, but if markets go up, I'll pull an extra ten or 20000 out every year because that that is what that buffer is being built up for, is, is to allow for you to be able to take out 50000 every year. So Yeah, and, and certainly, um, look, you can't 
you can't make investment decisions, successful investment decisions on the chance that sequencing risk will affect you on the day that you retire. Um, People often think of things as static as well. So they think of the GFC, okay, well, things fell by 57%. Yeah. And they they think that's a static number. What happened is that uh, don't quote me exactly on this on these figures because it's, it's from my recollection. But yeah, but um, uh, some matter of only a few months later on, yeah, uh, March two thousand and nine was the bottom of the global financial crisis. I think by thirtieth of June, uh, it was only down by thirty percent. So it wasn't yeah. down by fifty seven percent at that point in time. Like it yeah. bounced pretty hard. So yeah. You know, um, that's a that's a different that's a different equation altogether. Then yeah. it's not fifty seven. Well, you, you've talked about it before of, of how people tend to think about um, these downturns. Is that you know, I guess if you think of the visual, people even you know say um, this most recent one that people are we watched a bit closer. It's a bit more vivid. Is that you know things dropped pretty quickly. Mm. So you know, things dropped by thirty seven. Australian markets dropped by thirty seven percent. And at some stage in the future, we will get back to, to parity as to where we were before that. Mm. But it isn't something where you had the million dollars and then it dropped to 630000 and then it stayed at a flat level until it goes back to a million dollars. As no. you said, it, it sort of wavered down over the course of a month and then has rebounded very quickly. And we're sort of sitting here about 15, 17, 18% down. Now, that will... If you're drawing out a regular amount, you're not drawing out every dollar that you've that you've drawn out over the last six months. You're not drawing it out at sixty three cents in the dollar. No, you're drawing out at different points. That's so, right. You're drawing out one month's worth of income. Yeah. At that point in time, a month later, you draw out another month's worth of income. Yeah. Yeah. A month and later. So that this that's, is, I think, your your thing of where you say sequencing risk is a myth. What, you, what you're saying <laughs> is that it's overblown for a lot of people, where they assume if we have another GFC type event that I retire the next month the market drops by 50% and it takes five years to recover. Mm. They sort of think that my super balance will halve and then it will stay, it'll there, stay there and then in five years' five time, years time it'll, it'll pick back up. Yeah. And that's not how it actually happens. So um, again, like you say, it's about all of this stuff for us, it's just about seeing, to me, it's just about being realistic about what is, what is possible, what is uh, the biggest concern for you. And you know, if someone said to me, I'm worried that markets will drop by 50% and will stay down for 10 years and then will bounce straight back up and go, well, you can worry about that. That That is a possibility, but gee, yeah. it's extremely unlikely relative yeah. to a lot of other things that we could worry about. So I think the the last point with sequencing risk where I find this an interesting one is that there's also a risk, I've said this before, but in Australia, we don't really have a culture of, I wanna leave a huge amount of money to my kids. The, the big risk for a lot of people that we don't think of as a risk is that they might not draw out enough money and then they might get to 80 and have this big pot of money that they haven't had a chance to spend. So mm. the risk goes both ways is that maybe I don't draw out enough money in my early years of retirement when I could go and travel and could go and do those things. Yeah. And now I'm 85 and I've got this big pot of money in super, but I can't spend it. I, you know, I don't have anything that I want to go and do now. And so you end up, the risk cuts both ways where if I have a really good period of return in those in those early years of my retirement, I might overshoot the mark and, mm. and I say I want to die with zero dollars or I want to die with a million dollars in the bank and I, and I end up with five million dollars. Yeah. Again, it's a pretty good problem to have. I don't, I don't think anyone's going to be too gutted about it, but it is, it is a part of the planning is that we need to know that those returns aren't static. That's a dynamic thing. It's a moving, 
as you said before, it, it's not it's not something where you retire at this point and over 30 years, you got a 7% return, therefore you could draw out this flat amount every year. I think the big thing I would say to people leading into retirement is if you can, if you can maintain some flexibility around how much income you draw, when you when you draw it out, all that kind of thing, it has a huge, huge difference on the total amount that you can draw out over those years. Mm. Um, I mean, this is the example that I use here. You've talked about this before. This is your your theory of if you if you're drawing money out of, out of super and you have a, a you have a boom time of investment returns and you are willing to cut your expenses, you know when that when that stops. Those are the years when you take your thirty thousand dollars out and you go to the south of France for for three months, or you, you know you go on the big trip to Antarctica, or you go on a big three month tour through South America. You do all that, and then the year where you have another GFC two point you go to Magnetic Island and you and you borrow your mate's house for a month, and you yeah. and you're not sitting there at Maggie Island saying, "Oh, geez, I wish I was in Antarctica right now." No, you're, you're still sitting there going, "This is great. I'm spending time with my family. I'm doing yeah. all that." It's just the ability to do that is, is a really powerful thing. Yeah, the flexibility is is really powerful. Um, you can adapt to anything with flexibility. Yeah, yeah. and um, that's that's the yeah that's the big. The, I think that's big takeaway. A good point to wrap up on. That's the big takeaway for sequencing risk. If you can be flexible, there it makes a big difference. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Money Over 50 podcast with Money Over 50 Financial Advisors. We look forward to catching up again soon.